Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. You know what they say, first time, long time? I'm here for a good time, not a long time? Something along those lines, I'm not sure. Our next guest. He's not here forever, he's just here for a good time. So get in while it's hot. Connor Rogers of Bleach Report joins me now to uh, to chat up the AFC East, talk about the New York Jets, which I know is sort of like twisting his arm at this point. Uh, nobody actually wants to talk about the Jets. Not even Jets want to talk about the New York Jets with their own families. So I, you know, I can I can get it at this point. But Connor, try if you will to put into words where you were thinking about this football team in like August to where you are right now and. Is it just like the most familiar place that you've ever been is just where you are right now about the New York Jets? <laughs> Honestly, Nate, it feels like Groundhog's Day. It's like home. Like, it feels like home. It, it really does, especially a guy like me that like full-time I cover the NFL draft and then part-time I obviously do the Jets coverage. And uh, they blend together uh, like peanut butter and jelly year after year. It's truly incredible how early it comes. But I'll say this, like, when it comes down to it in terms of what you did ask, expectations in August and, you know, before the Carl Lawson injury. Yes, before that's the key. Team would, exactly. This team was built on their front four. It's where they spent all their money. They're starting literally a collection of day three picks and UDFAs in the secondary. They, they were ready to kind of have their ups and downs there, understandable. Uh, I thought it would be a roller coaster where they have weeks like Tennessee, right? They have no business winning that game, and they come out and – and really stun a lot of people, and, and they look, you know, the offense looks great, the defense does everything they can to keep them in it, and then they have weeks like you've seen with New England now twice, and the Denver game where they're just not even competitive because they're so young, and they're just quite frankly are not on the talent level that a lot of teams in the NFL are on around them because of the rebuild that Joe Douglas took on and the fact that they have a first-time head coach, a first-time play caller, Everything's new. These guys are learning, and they're getting punched in the mouth. And that's what happens when you take on that kind of risk where you're pairing rookies everywhere with rookie coaches in the middle of a rebuild where, quite frankly, a lot of the teams around you are just on a different level. So I think, you know, I thought they'd be obviously better. And then Carl Lawson got hurt, and then Mekhi Becton got hurt week one. And then last week, no surprise, they got run all over because all their starting linebackers are out. C.J. Yeah. Mosley's a, a true difference maker. Gerard Davis has been out. They're starting, you know, once again, the playbook of day three and UDFA kind of guys. So it, it's been tough for them for a mix of really everything combined. How disappointing is it to see – listen, I what – what I'm hoping for you and what I'm hoping for Jets fans, because the ire, I, I've really kind of turned my attention to the Dolphins and their fans because they're <laughs> just as delusional and, you know, absolutely insane as anyone that I've ever come across, and especially on social media. So Jets fans, like I, I, I've just gotten to the place where I sort of feel bad for the Jets, but I, I'm, I'm looking at their situation with the quarterback and he gets hurt, and I think it could be a blessing in disguise um, for the Jets for Zach Wilson because I don't think he's going to have the opportunity, short of getting injured, to pull back a little bit, sit on the sideline, watch another guy go through, watch another guy prepare. And I, it reminds me a lot of what happened to Josh Allen um, in that rookie season. He struggled um, outside of that 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 Minnesota game uh, where he hurdles Anthony Barr. He struggled, and 
in that uh, Houston game where he throws the, probably the best pass of his early part of his career to Kelvin Benjamin, he completes the pass and hurts his elbow and misses the next five games. And he comes back, and they sort of go on this run at the end of that season, his rookie year in 2018. And he looks like a legit he, – he took a step. That week away, or that 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 four or five week span, where he had to watch from the sideline, watch Derek Anderson go out there and prepare for football games. Not that I'm, I'm going to think Joe Flacco is really going to do much teaching at this point. But I guess my the perspective that he can gain on the sidelines, maybe over the next few weeks as he recovers from his knee injury, do you believe that might be a blessing in disguise? Man, I'm with you all the way, right? When this injury went down, you're just crossing your fingers and saying, let's hope this is not a long rehab. Let's hope, God forbid, this is no torn ligaments, anything like that. And you never want to see a guy get hurt. But I'm with you all the way. I've been telling everybody that will listen. There is a glass half full here where I really think Zach needs a couple weeks to just watch a veteran play. Now, obviously, Flacco is not going to play this weekend, but Flacco is going to play at some point. And for them to get right where you can time it for a couple reasons. The Jets right now in the next three games have both the Bengals and the Bills. That's not pretty for them. That would not be pretty for Zach Wilson. But if you do sit him for these next couple weeks and then you return him to a stretch where you have Houston, Jacksonville, the Dolphins twice, which hilariously the Jets are not in last place in this division because (laughs) of what what has happened with the Dolphins uh, this year, where – yeah, he could sit back and watch, and then you can time up his return with Mekhi Becton's return, and then you could time up his return with the schedule. Listen, it's, it's hard to sit here from a Jets perspective and say, oh, the schedule will get easier, because every team that sees the Jets on the schedule probably says the same thing. <laughs> but it really does matter for a young quarterback, of course. So it, he needs to sit and watch, and it'll help everyone. It'll help the play calling. It'll help him watch a quarterback that, quite frankly, gets the ball out a little quicker, yeah. I think. You know, with, whoever's out there will get the ball out quicker. I think that's something that he'll obviously uh, maybe be able to improve on. So it's a breather. It's a breather for the entire team. Yes, it's going to be a rough couple weeks for the Jets. There's no denying that. But like you said, great point about Josh Allen. Even rookie Sam Darnold had a yep. stretch where he missed some time, and he came back and uh, probably played the best of his Jets career to finish that season. It gives you momentum and it just gives you really a time to collect yourself. You know, when you do these sorts of things, right, you, you do a radio show and you have a guest on and they're talking and throughout their answer to a question, you hear like, you know, one or two more questions, follow-ups in their answer you want to ask. And the problem is you just gave me like five things I want to talk about and where I want to take the rest of this interview. So thanks for that. Uh, but let me start with the Darnold point because that, that was the most recent one. Obviously the trade happens. He goes to Carolina. Carolina punts on taking Justin Fields, which... Let's face it, I think that's going to be a decision that's going to come back to haunt Matt Rule and that organization Uh, because now the talks about whether or not they're in or out of this Deshaun Watson conversation, you and I will talk about Watson at some point here. It just feels dirty, so I'll I'll wait to do that. But, like, where are you with Darnold? Like, the beginning of the season, you see what he's capable of doing when he has Christian McCaffrey to dump the ball off to 80% of the time. Without him, not only has he not looked like a starting caliber quarterback, he looks done to me. He looks like he is not the player that a lot of teams thought he was going to be, the New York Jets thought he was going to be, the Carolina Panthers hoped that they could turn him into be. And are you just, are you maybe on the same page as me right now, which is I was always the guy that said, give Darnold the situation, give him a play caller, give him some weapons, and let him go. And he has no more excuses, Connor. Yeah, it's it's up, right? You're right, absolutely. And to be honest with you, and a lot of people really ripped me for this, especially a lot of Jets fans that were understandably attached to Darnold at the end of last year, 
you if you just watch the film and, and really put everything into perspective, the the wide lens view, I, there was no reason to believe in Darnold having this revitalized career as this top fifteen quarterback of the future. If you looked at everything from the analytics, told you it was nearly impossible, and everything from the film because you have to combine both, told told you it was pretty highly unlikely because. All you have to do is watch the reps where he did have a clean pocket and guys are getting open. Like, I understand Adam Gase was abysmal, and I understand the Jets' lack of talent was an issue. There's no denying that impacted Darnold's development. But there are tons of examples last year where he's just not seeing the field. And at what point is that green light never going to come on where you're not playing fast enough, you're not seeing the field, and quite frankly, you're not a, a freakish enough athlete to make up for those deficiencies. So he's caught somewhere in the middle where after you go through all of those things, he might just be a long-term backup. But the question is, how much do you really like a backup that is so reckless with the football? A lot of coaches do not like that. So he'll hang around the league for a long time. But this is a puzzling decision by the Panthers that was highly criticized by people that were very close to watching Darnold those final two years with the Jets that saw it and said, Man, if you pick up that fifth-year option fully guaranteed, this is the move you're staking your coaching contract on if you're Matt Rule, and he'll get more chances because he got like a seven-year deal. But it just didn't make a lot of sense, and I just don't see it with Darnold, and I think it's going to be a huge problem for the Panthers now now that they're stuck. And it kind of goes back to, wow, you know, it's kind of crazy the Jets even got what they did for him, a second-round pick that's going to be in the top 50, a fourth-rounder and a sixth-rounder for a quarterback that pretty much everybody knew wasn't very good And it's sad, right? He was a high pick. He had a lot of expectations. There was always talent there. But at the end of the day, it just it never clicked. And you can't just blame development all the time yeah. when Darnold never really helped himself. It's a great point. Connor Rogers here on the Western Hotline for Bleacher Report. He's also uh, Badlands over and he covers the Jets. Got a podcast. He does a great job there. Uh, Connor, um, where to go now? Let's go into Tua and the Dolphins since, since I think it's a – it's relevant with the Bills hosting the Dolphins tomorrow. I just don't. I don't even really know where to start with them. Um, I think that's probably where a lot of people are. It just it. They shouldn't be one and six. There are a lot of things you can point to. They have two offensive coordinators. I think that's a, that's a place to start. They have mismanaged every single way possible the quarterback situation from last year to this year to drafting the wrong guy and just like everything about their decision making in this organization and and Chris Greer does not seem to take a lot of the blame and 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 it kind of goes to Flores but Flores just like a duck in the water the water just sort of comes off the it just goes off of the wings whatever that saying is I don't know but it's how can those two remain in their jobs based on the product we've seen on the field, knowing that they have made all the decisions, this is their roster finally, this isn't Adam Gase's roster? No, it's not. And you know what? When you ask a question like that, it almost makes you think, we hear all these rumors about the owner wanting you know, a, a lifeline, right? A Deshaun Watson trade, which I think is truly absurd, by the way. Absolutely like, it, it's insane. It's actually... It's unfathomable how often it's discussed where when you open Twitter every day or you turn on, you know, whatever segments you want, that how often these, these Watson rumors and trades are discussed. It's, it's completely tone deaf and it's really absurd. But maybe that's how those two survive is that they cave to the owner, and I don't even think that'll work in the long run. But staying in the short-term picture here, you know what? Tua has become this low-hanging fruit-punching bag, and I understand it, right? It's, 
it was a risky pick because of his health background, and I loved Tua in college, but the, the medical concerns were always going to be a big question mark. And this isn't a Tua versus Justin Herbert debate. This is just betting your franchise on the Tua pick. That's one thing. But what have they done as an offense to set Tua up for success, right? If you're going to take, if you're going to take Tua and take a lot of the criticism, which tons of teams take criticism when they take a quarterback. It happens all the time. It, you need to set them up for success. And their offensive line is a complete joke, right? They have done really nothing in their backfield to try to make up for that. Their wide receivers are always hurt. That's been a problem for as long as you know, those guys have been there running the team. And at the end of the day, when those, they hired the dual offensive coordinator system, uh, did anybody really go, wow, this is great on paper. This is something to be excited about. Nobody did. So the Dolphins right now, sadly, because I, really, I, I think Flores, you know, Flores, obviously, there's a lot to like about him. They look poorly coached, right? It's, it's every single week they lose in heartbreaking fashion to horrible teams for the most part that they should not be in games with. They did not set up the quarterback that a lot of people thought was a controversial pick, whatever about that argument. But they're, they're terrible in the trenches, quite frankly, right? And their yeah. offensive line, you're never going to hang around when you trot out that kind of offensive line. So to me, if I was the owner, and obviously from everything we hear, nobody thinks this, I, I think I, I would – I know they've committed, what, how long to Chris Drew? He's been there like a decade. Obviously, this, this was supposed to be the year that they built it with him and Flores. I would think about turning the page on just about everything yep. from, from the top down. I, I really think you have to, but although I don't think they will. I don't think they will either, Connor. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the sense of they believe Flores is this great coach. And I think time and time again, the NFL continues to be fooled by Bill Belichick assistants. I, 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 I yep. just I yep. think that it is their snake oil salesman. They find a way to mimic the message that Bill Belichick sort of you know, exudes. The problem is, look at Bill Belichick without Tom Brady. He's a bad GM. He's a bad value eval. Like, he's not good at evaluating talent. And it just goes to show you, they go out and sign John U. Smith to the highest, you know, uh, number for a tight end per year ever in the NFL. And he has like six catches. And they go out and sign Kendrick Bourne. And like, it just, he has been a bad evaluator. And I think Tom Brady really covered up a lot of shortcomings in Bill Belichick as an evaluator. There's no question he's one of the best defensive coordinators of all time. But, like, I just think that the Bill Belichick tree has shown time and time again that you should stop hiring people from the Bill Belichick tree. And they hire them as these saviors where they give them full control more often than not. And this has been going on forever, right? It happened with Eric Mangini with the Jets. And Mangini was a bit of the opposite. Mangini was... Uh, one of the, and he was never a GM, but he acted on a lot of the, he controlled their drafts. Mangini had some of the best Jets drafts in the last two decades, but could never really put it all together as a head coach. And I think, you know, obviously relating to people in the building at the time. And that's kind of been the theme since then with every single person that gets hired away from the Patriots staff. Bill O'Brien completely ruined the Houston Texans. You know, Brian Flores, I'm not going to pin all the Dolphins' problems on him because he obviously flashed as a head coach and almost overachieved to a fault early on in his career. Uh, Chris Greer has had some horrible draft misses that have really handicapped them. But it goes on and on with all of those hires. And Josh McDaniels failed and then somehow becomes a hot head coaching candidate every single year for reasons no one really understands. I, I, now he seems like he's waiting for that job in New England yep. when that time comes. So. I'm with you all the way. I think it's you got to learn from your past and say, yeah, obviously Matt Patricia was basically Adam Gase of the NFC for a couple of years. It's, it's kind of insane not only that these guys are not panning out, these guys are literally setting franchises back two, three, 
four years at a time, and owners and, and guys running teams are not learning from it. I will say the only guy that might be an exception to this rule might be Brian Dable. We'll see if he ends up getting yep. a job. But, like, he's also succeeded away from the machine. So I think that's an Good important point. sort of aspect to this whole thing. Um, Connor, I want to switch gears to another AFC team that you had mentioned there, the, the Cincinnati Bengals. And, listen, I, I, I think uh, going into the season, there may not have been a hotter seat than Zach Taylor um, based on the lack of success they had last year and then going into this year would – the draft pick of Jamar Chase looked to be as bad as it. Like, in the preseason, there may not have been a bigger storyline than Jamar Chase can't catch, and they still have nobody that can block for Joe Burrow. He's going to be dead. There was that meme of, like, Joe Burrow throwing to Jamar Chase while being chased, or if they were to draft uh, Penny Sewell, like, he would actually have time to, right? Like, that was it was a funny meme, and somebody retweeted it the other day and was like, remember when we did this? And thinking about how good this team is now, what, what do you make of that team? Who are you maybe giving the most credit to here? Is it Joe Burrow being able to take the step with listen I, I think you could have given Joe Burrow a pass this year and say listen Joe Burrow's a good quarterback but he's a year removed from a really severe ACL injury and not just ACL Joe uh, Joe Burrow also had what the PCL injury like he had almost a full knee reconstruction and you would think okay give him a full year and I'm giving him a pass but he has come back and played at arguably one of the highest levels in the NFL right now. Who are you giving the most credit to for Cincinnati? Is it Joe Burrow? Is it Jamar Chase? Or is it Zach Taylor? I think it always starts with the quarterback, right? Because the quarterback's the guy everybody in the room looks to save franchises, whether that's fair or unfair. But Joe Burrow has the clout to do that because the man came to LSU from Ohio State where he wasn't really given, you know, he never was given the keys. And then he goes to LSU with a, with a superpower offense, and they go undefeated, and he has one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen from a college quarterback and goes from a projected fourth to fifth round pick to the number one overall guy. So there's clearly something about Joe Burrow wherever he goes that the culture changes, guys believe, and he wins games, right? Like, I know I hate the whole quarterback win stats, but he does things that puts the team in position to win games. Now, of course, you have to put a team around him, and they took what I thought was a generational wide receiver, a special guy. He, he's the best guy I've ever evaluated since I started doing this a couple of years. You know, God, at least five, six, seven years ago doing the draft. He's the best wide receiver I've ever seen. I know people freaked out over summer. It did not look good. It did not look pretty. But he didn't play the year before that. He opted out. It was rust. And he, he's shaking off the rust while debuting yeah. in the NFL over August. That's not easy to do. So they got – they basically have the new age Matt Ryan to Julio Jones, if we want to be real about it. There's no hyperbole there. That's what they have. And we know a duo like that can carry offenses throughout the NFL. And I think Zach Taylor, to his credit, because he's probably on the hot seat coming into the year, has done a lot of nice things with the offense. So overall, the Bengals, they're really trending in the right direction. I'm really hoping there's no letdown games with them, that this is the truth with Joe Burrow and Chase and the entire team. Uh, but they've obviously, you know, it, it just goes along. Look at the Bills. They got it right with Josh Allen, yeah. and it's turned every, everything after that worked. So it just goes to show you, if you get the quarterback right, you're playing with house money from there, and everything around it starts to click. And the other thing, too, is the quarterback can cover up a lot of deficiencies that you wouldn't – like the Bills offensive line, Connor, is – I think I'm putting this nicely middle of the pack. Like they're probably in the mid twenties um, in terms of like you know how good they are across the board, particularly as pass blockers. But Josh Allen is sacked at the lowest rate in the league in, in pre uh, uh, when pressured. Like he can cover up a miscue by the offensive line, and Joe Burrow is so effective. 
He is not the player that Josh Allen is athletically, but what he he has this almost Marino like movement in the pocket where it's not athleticism, but it's mobility. The ability to just move to the side, shuffle right, move to the left, miss a guy, and just create an extra passing lane. And like that those are things you can't teach. And although he is no one's going to argue Joe, Joe Burrow has one of the best arms in the league. He probably has a, a, a like a bottom 15% type of arm. But his anticipation, his his movement in the pocket and finding passing lanes, that's really what makes him a special player. And yeah, like it's, I, I think it's been fun to watch. Cincinnati's an easy team to root for, no? I think so. I think, right, they, they kind of got that underdog mentality. They're, you know, if you were putting it in baseball terms, they're a low-budget team, right? They have no scouting department. A lot of people don't know this. They, they don't employ a lot of scouts. They outsource a ton of their scouting. They don't even have, like, a real GM by title. Um, you know, they, they obviously are not big into giving guaranteed money in free agency beyond one year, which really hampers what they can do with signings and keeping or retaining guys. So, uh, you know, and you always feel bad for the guys on the team and the right. coaches in those situations where they're handicapped by what's above them. So I think they're very easy to root for, and it's cool seeing the changing of the guard go back to the Bengals in that division. Obviously, the Ravens and Steelers aren't going anywhere, and you know, you have the, it's a great division. You have the Browns, of course, all those things, but it's good to see them actually be a real-time threat. Yeah, I agree. I one more team I want to ask you about, Connor. The Cleveland Browns, I think that – I don't want to say it's been a worst-case scenario for them, that everything that could have gone wrong this year has sort of gone wrong for them, but it sort of feels like that. And I think everyone was sort of expecting them to just take the division and be the team that was maybe going to be the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. We know what happened to the Chiefs. Where are you on this Cleveland Browns team? Because I think I've soured on – on Baker. I, I, I think I've gone full circle on Baker because I was his biggest defender and I was sort of waiting for him to look like the rookie version of him that everybody thought like, okay, like this is a franchise quarterback. I think I am like right on the cusp of saying that I think Baker is fine and he'll be a starter in this league for a long time, but he is not a franchise quarterback. And that's that's where I am with them. And, and are, are you of the mind that like they're just going to go as far as Baker can take them? I think so, and honestly, the worst part of it is, Nate, is that, number one, he's not healthy, which makes you wonder how much of an impact that's having on him not being that great so far. And number two, this is the worst place to be as a franchise, is unsure if you should pay the guy or not. It it really is. It's the worst place to be because if you don't pay him, well, I got news for you. This quarterback class isn't that great, and they're in win-now mode. The Browns are built to win a Super Bowl right now. The roster is one of those where you look at it and go – they should be considered a legitimate AFC contender right at the top with everyone else. So the problem is, are you really going to go with rookie quarterback pains the next couple of years and let Baker Mayfield walk? And you don't even know if he's playing up to his fullest because of the lack of health right now. I don't think they're going to do that. I think ultimately they're going to pay him. But then how do the negotiations go where Baker Mayfield's sitting there going, well, look at my numbers, look at where this team's gone. I need to be paid in the top three to five quarterbacks of the league. I mean, is he Dak Prescott? No. Is he Josh Allen? No. Mahomes? No. Russ? No. Like, you go mm-hmm. on and on. Yep. And, and, I thought, and, I, and I really liked Baker. He was my number two quarterback in that class. Once again, I don't think he's healthy. But at the end of the day, this is no man's land for them. A really, really good football team. A really well-coached football team. I understand why you know, he wants to play, and they want to they capitalize on this window. But it feels like there's no happy ending with this playing through the significant shoulder injury. I think I'm with you on that. All right, my last question for you before I let you go. And it's kind of a two-parter. First one, AFC, a bunch of two-loss teams right at the top of the, uh, right at the, top of the conference. 
Who is the best team in the AFC? Who's the class of the AFC? Who do you expect when it's all said and done to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? And two, short of John Gruden, now that he's sort of the first domino to fall in the NFL, and, and it's not really for, for performance-based reasons, who's the next coach to get fired in the NFL? Answer whatever one you want to uh, – which whatever, whatever one you want to answer first. Ooh, the coaching one's tough, so I'll answer it. You know, the AFC first, I wouldn't pick against the Bills, and I would have said the same thing before the season, honestly. It's not that this has changed just because of how everyone around them has looked, quite frankly. It's, the Bills are one of those teams where when they're playing at their fullest, nobody in the AFC should beat them. And, you know, obviously the Josh Allen slip might have changed a little bit of the narrative of the powerhouse that they've become, but he, the guy truly slipped, right? It was kind of a fluky play where you look at it and – the Bills are built for the playoffs the way they're constructed. They have more continuity than a lot of these teams, both on the roster and with the coaching staff, and that's what kind of takes you far. And I'm not going to rule out the Chiefs, but I just don't think the Chiefs make the Super Bowl with the defense. It's not yeah. fixable this year. There's a lot of problems there, uh, and they're not on Mahomes, although the turnovers obviously have been an issue. I just, I, I'm not going to say the Chiefs are dead in the water, but they're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. So for me, it's the Bills. And then if you look at the teams that can always scare you on any given Sunday, right, where you're going into an AFC title game, you're like, who can actually scare you? You know, the Ravens still, to me, because yep. of Lamar's MVP potential, are the team that scare me on any given Sunday, where, yeah, they might get blown out by Cincinnati, but guess what? They can also beat anyone in the league on any given day. So the two teams I like the best in the AFC are the Bills and Baltimore still, which people might think is crazy to include Baltimore in there, but uh, they'll, call, they'll show up. You know, they'll really come to play when the playoffs are on the line. All right, brother, as always, can't thank you enough for your time and always uh, being so generous with it here for us at the station, not just me, but but everybody. We love listening to you. We'll love the insight, and uh, we'll be looking forward to this Jets-Bills game coming up here in a few weeks. Nate, thanks so much, man. Always good to catch up with you. We'll talk soon. All right, my friend. Evan, I'm sorry, uh, Connor Rogers there. I was looking at the TV. Um, Connor Rogers there on the West Her Hotline joining me from, from Bleacher Report. Um, I'm going to take a timeout. On the other side, no guest for the next half hour. We're going to talk a little bit about – the Miami Dolphins. We're also going to talk a little bit about the AFC because I think this AFC has just become so damn interesting. So is the NFC, by the way. All of the one-loss teams in the NFL right now, they exist on the other in the other conference, in the NFC. Who are the pretenders? Who are the guys that are for real? Who are the real... Who are you most concerned with playing if the Bills get to the AFC Championship? Who are you most concerned with being the team you have to beat to get to the Super Bowl? I'll go through that next here on WGR. I don't know what to do with this. It's so funky fresh. It's, it is powerfully late 80s, early 90s. Mr. Heavy D. And the I've, boys. I, and, and the boys. Please do not forget about the boys. While you're up on the your little system there, why don't we throw some NFL music up for this segment? Ooh, okay, hang on. Because I, I feel like... I feel like I've lost my way a little bit on playing in a bed of NFL, you know, music during this show. So I'm gonna get back to my roots. Ooh, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Corey, we're gonna do a little exercise here. Okay. And we're gonna talk about the AFC because the AFC, 
um, is the American Football Conference. Correct. It's where the Buffalo Bills exist. They live within. Yes. And they'll likely have to beat a number of those teams to get to a hashtag Super Bowl. Yes. I mean, at least two. It, at minimum two, yes. but more than likely, based on what's happening right now, it's looking like they'll have to beat three of them. Correct. So if that's the case. I want to talk about the the teams that I think I'd li- least like to see the Bills have to match up against in order to get to a Super Bowl. The teams I'd actually be concerned that the Bills might have trouble beating if they find in this in, in, within the playoffs at some point. Um, and I also want to hear what you think about said teams, Corey. So hmm. I'm going to start with a team that I think I may be most concerned with. Okay. And I said this yesterday, when I uh, two days ago, I should say, on uh, on Thursday morning when I joined uh, Sale and Joe on uh, on um, not One Bills Live, but uh, the Extra Point Show. Sure. And I said the Los Angeles Chargers, and both of them are like, "Whoa!" Well, like uh, we weren't expecting you to say that. Like the Ravens, the Bengals. All your old uh, favorites. Right, you know, all, all, exactly, all the old favorites. And and I left saying the Chargers because I felt like, although their defense is not playing well, they're getting burned, I think they have the best quarterback. Okay. Outside of Josh Allen. I still I, I like Josh Allen more than Justin Herbert right now. Could change. That's not a knock on Lamar Jackson, who I also think is probably the third best quarterback in the AFC. Yeah. But it's the Chargers for me. Their defense is going to start playing better. They got Joey Bosa. That's a guy that you worry about. They've got Durbin James. That's a guy you worry about. Okay. Their running game is borderline elite. Austin Eckler, the things he can do in the pass game and in the run game. Mike Williams has finally turned into the bona fide first-round pick wide receiver that people thought he was going to be coming out of college in Clemson. They still have Keenan Allen. They still have Jared Cook. Like That is a really good constructed football team, and I think they're coached by one of the best young coaches in football in Brendan Staley. So they're the team I fear the most, the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers. What you have any thoughts on the Chargers? I th- you're, I'm going to have to see them do it. It's fair. Because I, I still think of them as the Chargers, so something bad will happen. But they'll, that, does they'll not have a, to, that doesn't have to be the case. The holder will botch a field goal. They'll be up by 10 points with two minutes left and call timeouts and figure out a way to like, lose it. Yeah, like we think that the Bills have a history of being snake Like yeah. Man, the Chargers, that is some tough action out there in Chargers land in their history. So... Yes, I res- I respect the Chargers maybe more than a lot of other teams in the AFC. I think the Ravens are right there with them. I don't know enough about the Bengals. I don't know enough. I mean, the Titans, it's really those three. Chargers, Ravens, Titans at that point. And if it gets from someplace else, I think the Bills are have the upper hand for sure. I think everything else is a straight-up even match. And honestly, the Chargers are the team I know the least about. Yeah, I think that's maybe why I... Maybe it's why I fear them. It's because I don't fully know them. I, I don't get to watch them a lot. Do I, you I have, think you know 100% what Justin Herbert is? I think I'm pretty confident about what Justin Herbert is. I think he's the second best quarterback in the AFC. Third best quarterback in the AFC. See? You keep changing the number. No, I but I forgot about Patrick Mahomes. Well, the man ain't playing like it. No, he is not playing have like it. Have you seen the TikToks of uh, my man? Listen, I listen. I don't hate the. I, I have. I, I do not hate the Chiefs. I know cries for help when I see one. My my man is struggling. He takes that job extremely seriously, and you can tell because that's the look of a man who is thinking about every single throw he's made all year, every moment he's yeah. awake. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. You know what? He needs to talk to Josh. 
He needs to pick up the phone and call Josh Allen and he be should. like, dude, you get over How it. do you do it? <laughs> How do you get How over do you do it? it? How do you do it? Or really what Josh Allen's good at is taking the disappointment and allowing it to fuel him the week after. Like, that's what he's really good at to me, Josh Allen, right? Is just taking, okay, I played a bad game. I'm going to use it as nightmare fuel to make me play at an elite level the following week. And you hate to see that look on Josh. The face that he had during the Dolphins, or uh, not the Dolphins, yes, the Dolphins yeah, game. that was 35 to nothing on the screen, and he looks like he is thinking He's about, thinking about next week. Yes. And what he's going to do to harm someone's house and home. Yes. Like, and he did, by the way. Um... So the Chargers. Let's go to the next team. I'm going to say the Bengals. Wow. This is insane. Listen, up, feel, is, up is down, down is up. I feel weird. I feel dirty saying it. This is. I mean, listen, the Bengals used to be cool. They I mean, they had a, super cool. They had In a Vogue. long period of... Sam Weish. Yep, but like that's where it starts from. Is Sam Weish in you know, Boomer Esiason in the West Coast offense? It starts from there, right? I really, I, I just, I like Burrow. Was that the I West Coast Jamar- offense? What, Sam Weish? Did he do that? Was he West Coast? I believe it was the Air Perkins system, but you could be right on the West no, Coast. No, West Coast was San Francisco because Cincinnati is not on the West Coast, although it is the Queen City of the West. And there was, what, when the West was, was, Ohio. That, was that the 80 Super Bowl? Yes. And then they went again in 88 and got crushed. They w- they showed up again in the they went twice in the No, 80s. you're right. It was the West Coast. Okay. The term West Coast offense, though most often associated with the Cincinnati Bengals and later the San Francisco 49ers. Listen, Ohio was the West before we that bought Louisiana. Right. That is right. Before the Louisiana purchase, Ohio was the West. And that's a great point to think about and maybe to, to talk about with your with your uh with your with your significant other in bed tonight. Absolutely. Um maybe just before a little you pillow go to talk. Bed, before you go to bed. Because we love uh, to talk about big purchases. Ohio right was, yes, that's right. Ohio was the West before the Louisiana Purchase. Something to think about. Um, Zach Taylor has turned coach on the hot seat to coach of the year candidate. Okay. Um, they run the ball well. They block well somehow, some way. Um, they throw the football well. They defend well. And they don't beat themselves. Recipe to be five and two to whoop your division opponent, who's going to be the next team that I think I'm most feared of, which is the Baltimore Ravens, and you make them look like the Miami Dolphins. People were giving it to Jamar Chase hard in the offseason. Oh, they certainly were. And that is definitely talk blank, get hit situation because oh, my no man doubt. is coming for everybody right now. No doubt. He's got receipts too. He's like terrifying. a lot of receipts. Yeah. He is so darn good. Good for him, by the yes, way. Yes. Good for him. I totally agree. Um, all right. Third team, Baltimore Ravens. I love Lamar Jackson so much. I also love Lamar. He's such a great athlete. He's so fun to watch. He's easily, he's very easy to root for. And yes, he's he is. terrifying. He, uh, more than any athlete in the sport. Not uh, Derrick Henry doesn't scare me. I know exactly what Derrick Henry does. And even with like having this great performance, now he's going to be the MVP. Bills were inches away from winning the game anyway. Lamar Jackson can beat me single-handedly, and there's nothing I can do about yeah. it. Yeah. No, that's right. And and listen, this is a team that has shown they don't need elite-level running backs for him to succeed. I think I want to actually give a little credit to Greg Roman, even though I believe it was out of necessity because they did not have the manpower at the running back position to continue building their offense around the passing game. They they were forced to evolve, um, but the evolution nonetheless has happened, and Greg Roman has evolved the passing game and has made Lamar Jackson. They 
they've given Lamar Jackson a reason to go get his extension. It has not been done, which is shame on the uh, shame on the Ravens for not getting that done. Lamar Jackson's going to get paid like Josh Allen, and uh, I think one of the reasons he hasn't gotten paid, this is something I really disagree with Lamar Jackson on, is him and his mother are his own representation. And when you're trying to essentially negotiate a $250-plus million contract, it's hard to do that when you're also playing football. I mean, like... Does he have, like, a legal team with him, though? Because if would, he says, I, like, I'm representing God, myself, hope. but he walks and he's got, like, a fleet of numbers guys behind him. Dear God, I hope so. Like, that, but if it's just him and his mom and, like, they're rolling in it's from, It's a bad like, idea. Rolling in from it's a bad idea. out to the Denny's, that's tough. It's a bad idea. I wouldn't, I don't want to even want to negotiate with the people with, like, asking somebody to, when they have to throw a cardboard thing to keep the coffee so I can hold the coffee at the local coffee shop. I, I hate haggling Bartering. over that. Yes. So... Yeah, that's um, psychotic. Yeah. Yeah, yes it is. I don't know why he's doing it. Um, it's bad. Anyways, so that's the third team. My fourth team, it should be Tennessee. Should be. I legitimately think the Bills would be Tennessee eight times out of ten if they played them ten well, times. Well, we're going to keep Are we gonna keep reducing that number each time they play did I, lose? What was the last time? Ah. Did I say? Did I say like nine six out times? Of time. <laughs> did I say like six well, times last time? Last year was nine out of ten. Now it's eight out of I, ten. But I, 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 when does I, it end? I actually believe Tennessee had no business winning that football game on Monday night. Well, I, I think they did they because did. they scored a lot of points and beat them. They did. I think the next time the Bills play the Tennessee Titans, if they get the chance to play the Tennessee Titans, it will be a blowout. I am not impressed by Tennessee. And I know they just went to Kansas City and they pounded that drum and they beat them 27 to 3. And I think the most impressive part was them doing, holding Kansas City to three points with literally guys who repair commercial washers and dryers as defensive backs. That's really blue collar work. Super blue collar work. The, the, Bill, the game we all thought the Bills Chiefs was going to be was Bills Titans. That's right. And that. It's going to be that. I, it's probably these two teams, right? It's 1-1-A one one is Titans-Bills I want to. I want to say no. I think Tennessee is going to come back down to earth. I think Tennessee will lose to Indianapolis. Do you? Um, ooh. Yeah. In the, in Both the great Titanic battle of these all-star quarterbacks, Carson Wentz and Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. That's not a great matchup of quarterbacks. Um, I can't wait to watch it on television. They listen, put that stuff on TV, buddy. Tennessee's the team I should fear, and that should be that. Probably I should have already mentioned them, right? But I mentioned the Bengals, I mentioned the Ravens, and I mentioned the, I mentioned the Chargers as the teams I'm actually worried about. I'm st- I'm still worried about Kansas City. I still think they're going to figure it out in in a certain level, make it to the playoffs. And if you are an NFL team and the AFC, and you've gotten this work, and you're the Tennessee Titans, and you finally got the monkey off the back, you beat them, you beat them down. You're the Bills, you got the monkey off that, but you beat them down in prime time. The last team you want to see is the Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card they round. They are bad for only one reason, and it is because Patrick Mahomes has lost it. And he will He's find going it. to get it back, and when, when he gets it back, look out. When's the question? Does he do it this year? Does he do it next year? I don't know, because it's... I've never seen him make bad decisions before, and now he's making bad decisions. So I don't have a barometer of when the bad decisions end. I was stunned watching stunned. that Sunday night game and watching him just throw the ball on the turf. Just like, what is wrong with him? Is he okay? Yeah, just stunned, frankly. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. We'll talk a little bit more about the AFC when we come back. Aaron Quinn of Cover One is going to join us at 1 o'clock as well. All that and more here on WGR.
Never miss a moment of WGR Sports Radio 550 again. Rewind up to 24 hours with Odyssey Rewind. Download the Odyssey app, select WGR, and go back in time. Driven by Northtown Automotive. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. All right. Uh, before we get in and out of this segment and uh, bring you my man Aaron Quinn, who's going to join us from Cover One, talk a little bit more about the Dolphins um, and the Bills matchup this week in the AFC. I wanted to sort of finish off our conversation about who we're most worried about in the AFC, as in, and we'll talk a little bit about this with uh, with Aaron Quinn as well, kind of get his thoughts on it. Um, we were, I was dancing around the point of me not being scared of Tennessee. I'm just not. Um, S-K-U-R-D. Let me look at their schedule really quick. Their schedule is as weak as the Bills going forward, I believe, because they don't no longer had Tennessee on it, which was a huge strength of schedule, you know, atom bomb to everybody, at least for now. That's going to change, I think, as the year goes on, apparently. But, yeah, their strength of schedule and the Bills' strength of schedule are like 32 and 31. Let me go through the next three games. Okay. Tomorrow, 1 p.m., on the road, Indianapolis. Okay. I think Indy wins that football game. Okay. They have to win that football game. Do they? The following week, on the road, once again, Sunday night football against the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> okay. Lost. That's two in a row. The following week, home, 1 o'clock, the New Orleans Saints. People are saying cough and flop isn't a show. They're just saying, oh my God, <laughs> I, I just... I kid you not, I watched the episode before I got here. I don't... Why would you want to... Listen, I know Tennessee They is, ain't got no souls! They're a good team. Why are you, do you want to watch them play football, though? Because it comes free on Corncob TV. It's, they're not even, like, using A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in Tell the way Tell Spectrum, that, we don't care. <laughs> There's worse things on the nightly news! Yeah! <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather, if we could, we could just turn the rest of this segment into reenacting that entire scene. I'm just complaining about having to watch the Jets on national television. I mean, they complain about, they probably complain about the Sabres being on national TV too, but the Sabres are halfway decent this year. You're going to watch a good hockey game when the Sabres are on at least. That's right. That's right. Listen, they've got two losses. I think they could lose two of their next three. Then they play the Texans, the Patriots, who you could absolutely lose to the Patriots if you're the Titans. They're not going to lose the Jaguars. They could lose to the Steelers. They could lose to the 49ers, Dolphins, and Titans to end the season. So what's the deal with the Steelers? They're back in it if they beat Cleveland this weekend. That's what's with the Steelers. Listen, that's they're plausible. Totally, they are back in the conversation if they beat the Steelers this week. Or uh, if, they, if they beat the Browns. And the Browns, by the way, are buried. This is a huge game for the AFC this weekend, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Like, the winner of that football game is sort of back in it, but the loser's done. If Mike Tomlin gets the Steelers to be in the conversation for the playoffs this year and maybe he even gets them in the wild card, the year, not. he's the he's the greatest coach in NFL history. Because that team stinks. Stinks. And for him to keep it together and keep it moving and get it to where it's got to go, even with Ben Roethlisberger literally dis- disintegrating like he drank out of the wrong chalice in the last crusade. And that team is still going to make the playoffs, maybe? Wild. Last crusade. All right, we should take a time out on that note. Uh, Aaron Quinn, a cover one, is going to join us next. We'll talk about this AFC. Who's he really worried about? What's going on with the Miami Dolphins? Where's Tua Tunga Viola going to be playing next year? All these questions Aaron Quinn's going to answer when we return on the other side here on WGR.